Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me on another overcast day in an empty capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Stephen Harris, Chief Executive of Clearview Financial Media, a leading provider of news and information to wealth managers and private bankers. Stephen, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm well. Thank you for coming on the program today. Now, normally we get straight into the concept of leadership, but considering the circumstances we all find ourselves under at the moment, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you how COVID-19 has affected your business. Well, actually, uh, it has and it hasn't in a sense because uh, uh, we took the decision three years ago to uh, uh, to work as a, a remote business. Uh, so we've already had uh, the pain, if you like, of uh, of working from home, mm. uh, not having having an office, and doing things in a in a very very different way. Uh, so we've had three years to get used to that. Uh, so so that hasn't been a problem. Uh, but quite a large part of our business is uh, is events driven, events and award ceremonies driven. Uh, so obviously that's a sector that's been uh, vastly affected by by all this. Uh, we've had to cancel some events. Uh, we've had to postpone events as well. Uh, so we're, in a sense, walking on uh, sifting, shifting sand, and uh, and it's been a bit of a, a problem from that point of view. I mean, what, what we've done, actually, is uh, we have uh, created uh, different offerings and uh, had more digital uh, meetings, Zoom meetings, and uh, and thought more about how we can interact with our clients uh, to make uh, what we offer them slightly different mm-hmm. and I think hope, hopefully uh, better as well. So uh, it, it's been it's been very very odd uh, and and a bit challenging, but perhaps not as challenging as uh, for other businesses, which I feel uh, very very sorry for uh, who, mm-hmm. who have had bigger challenges than than we than we have had so so i i wouldn't i wouldn't want to overstate the the problems that we've had i think others have had bigger problems uh but uh but uh, i i hope that i don't speak too soon in that uh, so uh, <laughs> of course uh, you know let's see well i actually i'm i'm quite interested in in why did you make that leap to work from home long before uh this pandemic uh, became a factor uh, well, obviously, cost was a was an issue, uh, but we found that uh, that lots of our uh, colleagues were were people who uh, who were slightly older than than average, perhaps who who actually uh, didn't live in London, mm-hmm. uh, who have have families, and uh, and who who actually don't need to be in an office. Uh, we we uh, we're an international business. We travel around a lot. Um, Many of our colleagues are journalists who should be out and about uh, writing stories, getting getting news, right. gathering news, uh, and and really having an office for them is a nonsense. Uh, and also, uh, <laughs> we we are now able in the current world to use technology in such a an efficient way. I mean, we've we've got a uh, a wonderful platform, a project management platform uh, called Basecamp. Uh, and it's, it's one of one of many that are are around. And we can we can track what everyone's doing, uh, have conversations about uh, projects and 
and defence and whatever else it is, uh, and, and and really manage the the business that we're we're involved in in a better way actually. And I think people have really welcomed uh, the uh, the flexibility that that gives them. You know, they they they're able to work from home. They're able to manage their own time. Uh, so if they if they want to go for a bike ride or 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 a run or whatever it is uh, during during the day, well then well then that's fine. They will they will make up the time and they will do the work that is required. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's all it's all visible and everybody is very very happy with it. So 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 that's a a situation that's been running for quite a while, as I said. And uh, and as a business, we've we've hugely benefited from it. Uh, what we found is that some people just didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Some some people actually like having an office environment, coming into work, uh, having having a social environment uh, during during the day. Those those people uh, didn't didn't really last in the virtual environment, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, it's it's really just the people who are willing uh, to 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 manage their own time and not have the focus of their social life, uh, office office base, who who have uh, survived uh, in those in that uh, environment, I guess. So you no longer possess a physical office at all. No, none, none at all. Oh, none interesting. All. Now, now this is an interesting concept. I've been speaking to a lot of my guests about in the in the in the past few weeks. Uh, people are finding that they can operate their businesses remotely. Uh, that it is far easier and it is far cheaper what impact is this going to have on the commercial real estate market no oh, it's, it's it's going to absolutely decimate it uh, I, I i look around in the city and i see these huge house blocks being uh, being built these huge uh, office blocks and, and i think who who on earth is going to be filling those mm. uh, I, I and 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 i worry also about the peripheral businesses you know the uh, the bars, restaurants, uh, coffee bars, whatever it is, around uh, commercial hubs, and I think they will they will struggle too. It, it's it's just a, such a liberating uh, method of working uh, that I think now now that people have have got it and got got the uh, the hang of doing it, uh, they 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 won't be rushing back to office. I think real the real estate market in you know, uh, C- CBDs around around the world is going to absolutely be be uh, uh, hammered, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's not a sector that I would like like to be in at all. The other the other thing, of course, is you know, we we travel a lot. Um, much of our business is in is in the states. Much of it is in is in Asia as well. So we're always traveling around, uh, and I think the, the the propensity to do that. Is going to be uh, curtailed mm. as well, and I don't I don't know whether whether prices are going, going to go up or 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 what. I guess they are, and I think that people are going to be uh, much less inclined to travel in economy class as well, and uh, I, I think that that that's going to be a big a big drain, a big cost on businesses that do send people around around the world mm-hmm. i think people people traveling will will insist on business class at, at whatever level they are uh you know and i and i and i, and I would uh you know, I, I would i would feel disinclined to to tell colleagues that they couldn't travel business class if they were traveling to hong kong in a 
uh, on a business related uh, matter. You know, of course. so so so, so, so yeah, what what you win on the round balance, you lose on the swings, and you know, so 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 the cost of office space uh, will will go down for sure, but the cost of business travel may may go up hugely. We'll see. Uh, now we should we should touch on leadership before uh, we run out of time. Uh, now, I always like to start that part of the conversation off by asking uh, the same simple question: What does the word leader mean to you? Uh, well, I, I I guess what it means is the process by which you can you can uh, you can show by example what what should be mm-hmm. done in a of a business and and being willing to stand in at uh, at very short notice uh, when when things need need to be done and and, a, and an absolute appreciation of everything uh, that a that a uh, that a business is is doing uh, so for instance when I'm when I'm talking to to colleagues I they they know that I I know what it is they do in quite specific detail so uh so i think i think it's 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 that but in these in these times i think the the leadership that that, that i that i at least try to to show uh and, and and i'm and i'm i'm not holding myself out of a great leader by the way at all and i think uh, i think you've got to be adaptable and change to circumstances internal and external uh but uh uh, you know, I, I, I think that empathy is a is a huge part at the moment. I mean, I, I think I think it always was, but I think much more so now. Uh, so when I'm talking to colleagues, I'm I'm, I'm not talking about uh, things like profitability. I'm I'm talking about uh, things like sustainability. Mm-hmm. I'm ta- I'm I'm not putting pressure on in terms of numbers. I'm I'm encouraging people to. Uh, to give uh, goodwill measures, you know, discounts, incentives, whatever, to our clients, uh, so that they uh, that they feel that we are, in some sense, well, in a very real sense, uh, you know, sharing uh, whatever pain there is, and and, and 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 not being horribly commercial with uh, people. So, so, so it's that that kind of leadership, and 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 trying to show people. That it's not just about business. And when I'm talking to pe- people on a Zoom call or a Skype call or whatever it is, I'm I'm often uh, go- going out of the the business realm and talking about what they're doing in their in their lives at the moment. How the, how's the family? Uh, how how are they getting on with their uh, with their fitness regime? What is it in their lives that's really Keeping them going, mm-hmm. and 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 not focusing purely on on work. And I think I think having having that sort of broad uh, broad discussion uh, shows some measure of leadership in 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 these times. And and really making sure that people understand that uh, uh, that we're not panicked as a management team. And you know, it's it's very much a Teams that we have that that we're not panicked about what's what's going on. We're we're looking at it in a in a in a very relaxed way, 
and not to not to uh, worry people about their jobs, their careers, uh, the sustainability of the business, and just be very calm and, in some cases, humorous and relaxed about about the whole thing. We've we've seen uh, crises like like this, not not to this extent, of course, but uh, uh, we were we were very active during the uh, the global financial crisis, and uh, we were reporting on on, a, on an hour by hour basis uh, what what was going going on there and uh, we were we were you know calmly going going through uh, news that that was was pretty cataclysmic and 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 reporting on the collapse of banks and the and uh, the the possible disintegration of the whole financial system in the world that that would have been disastrous too mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think you know being calm and just just get going through it in a in a in a measured way and not running around panicking I think is uh, is what leadership uh, should should try and be uh, in the times that we uh, that we're seeing and, and and if I can get some way towards that I think uh, I think that's a success. Well, Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program today. Uh, I'd love to have you back on for a more in-depth chat at some point when things get back to some sort of uh, normalcy. Stephen, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Many thanks. That was Stephen Harris, Chief Executive of Clearview Financial Media. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership. It can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over the years, I guess. 
he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that caliber can have a huge influence on your, your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time maybe overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people 
and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could... Uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before I was I was playing, and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage, I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them and there really must have been moments maybe there weren't but uh, let us know in that 66 competition the prolonged pressure on all of you you know the weight of a nation did it get to you oh not for me personally no i I think and i don't uh, not for me not for a second i think Mm. i was just happy to be I'd be involved in the squad initially. Um, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back out, mm. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very 
I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, in most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can think, tell you if you want. You want. You got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well, so it did... Uh, um, but then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke. 
and of course into England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck that's absolutely leadership he'd be the best example of course in in football terms today Uh, easily easily and of course but going back not that long ago Alex Ferguson who's just absolutely Mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time a short period of time but if you look at the 25 26 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they've they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, hmm. no question at all. I think they. Uh, Ron Green was yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, That's a they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back. Uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think 
that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were I was very fortunate, and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, the um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially. And that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on with, all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. It, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, the... Mm. Um, Getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time, and I wouldn't. And when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big absolutely. a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great and players. You- we had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly. Uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation, and I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland its parent company or subsidiaries.
members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.